Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We are going to uh, do a roundabout way to get to this story that is, as the kids say, amazeballs. Why didn't Shohei Otani, the biggest sports star maybe in the world... Not end up a San Francisco Giant. Have you heard this story? It You don't have to be a sports fan to find it interesting. So, stay here. San Francisco, that's in California, right? How do we, It's under the management of one Gavin Newsom. How do we feel about the term amazeballs? It's a little cutesy, but I must admit I am amused by it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it means or who first coined it. I don't want to hear it a lot. One of our sales it, it's managers... It's like fennel sprinkled in is fine. One of our sales managers drops it now and then. Noise gets a laugh out of me. I know, it's amazeballs. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I've heard it enough uh, in this segment, for instance. <laughs> anyway, Cal Unicorni, under the management of one Gavin Newsom, who is as evil as he is slick, he's well aware of how effective it is to galvanize and divide Americans by race and ethnicity, tribal politics, which uh, leads to death and genocide and murder and horror all over the globe. It's being Im- embraced by more and more lefty politicians, including Gavi Boy. Thought this clip uh, from uh, Seth Meyers last night was pretty damned interesting. Dig this, and then we'll get to the Shohei Otani thing. But when you started planning this, did you have higher expectations for where DeSantis would be in the polls? No, I, I didn't. I'll be honest with you. I, I've and and I'm dead serious about this. I, I've I've developed a lot of animus towards him because of his animus towards all of you. Um, you know, this guy's out there scapegoating vulnerable communities. Uh, he's attacking uh, minorities. 
attacking women. And I don't like it. I mean, you know, he's out there talking about anti-woke. And I mean this. It's, for me, it's not anti-woke. What he really means is anti-black. He's out there censoring historic facts. He's rewriting history. Uh, he was out there, you know, he eliminated AP African-American studies. He said slavery was somehow some workforce development program. And he doubled down on that. So for me, it's a very serious moment where I just felt it was important to blow back against that. That is, I need to rent an F-250 to haul all of the dishonesty away from the studio. Oh, wow. That was horrifying. Anti-woke is code for anti-black. That is a horrible thing to say. I was just thinking, is, what would be the equivalent, you'd never get away with it, of the reverse? What would be the equivalent if Ron DeSantis ever got invited on one of those talk shows? What could he even say that would be the equivalent? I mean, you have to go pretty far because that's a hell of a thing to say. Anti-woke means anti-black. You've got to be kidding me. Can you come up with a, what would be the reverse of that? Well, it, it would almost have to be something that I've heard from a lot of black activists, conservative black activists, which is that the Democratic Party wants us on the plantation of government dependence. But they don't want a strong, independent, educated, productive black America. That, and, and I'm serious. That would decimate the Democratic Party decimated if the problems of black america were actually fixed to whatever extent as possible that would decimate the democratic party uh, i i agree you're right i i wouldn't get into the race stuff at all if i was pushing back on that though i'd i'd, I'd only go from the woke thing woke woke is not a, woke is forcing transgender bathrooms on high schools and they have to have a uh, a machine in there for tampons for 16 year old boys that's what woke is that's what the way I would attack. Oh, it and you got me. you got to go with the men in the locker rooms. Yeah, and the, oh yeah, all that. I mean, stuff. the existence but, of a transgender bathroom. No, go with the you know teaching your impressionable adolescent girl that she's probably a boy in math class. But for Gavin Newsom to say, Ron DeSantis is you know, well, just flat out a racist. He's anti-black. You would ha the equivalent would have to be, I think, Ron DeSantis to say. Um, uh, uh, his uh, equity program is code for communism. He's a communist. He wants yeah. communism to be the governing structure of the United States, which would be crazy. And nobody would accept you saying that out loud. I mean, you'd be seen as a nut job to say, but that's the yeah. only thing I can come up with that's equivalent to that on the other side. Yeah, I think that's a decent kind of one level is similar to the other level thing. Yeah, so over the top. Virtually everything Gavin Newsom just said is horrifically dishonest. I mean, it's way beyond spin. I wish DeSantis had been a better, done a better job of pushing back on this when it was the news story. Um, but God dang it, that is rough. Yeah, it's rough. I'm reminded of an email we got from a listener. I don't have it handy, but it was it was quite good. They pointed out that. Um, it, we were discussing how Ron DeSantis' candidacy hasn't really caught on on a nat national level and the, lacks the charisma, etc. And they pointed out, look, he is by training, by temperament, by personal history, an attorney. He comes off like an attorney. He's smart. He has the facts. Um, he, he poses pretty good arguments, but he's not one of those crusading charismatic attorneys. He's more like the guy you handle to work out the dispute your trust is having with, uh, you know, a real estate company. 
that's, this is what Mark Halpern wrote about that. Ron DeSantis's trajectory of his presidential campaign was determined by the way his fellow human beings felt about his capacity to act like a member of their species. <laughs> well, that is harsh and unwarranted. Have you seen any it's of funny. those? <laughs> have you seen any of those edited memes about Ron DeSantis doesn't know what to do with his hands? Oh, poor guy. He's worse than me about being yeah. comfortable. You know, standing on a stage in front of people. He's got his arms out like this or trying to figure out how do normal people stand? I mean, he's got an Al Gore thing going where he just can't figure out how regular people stand. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting that um, putting aside mockery of uh, a brave veteran of our armed forces, Jack. Well, that's um, fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, is fair part of this now? What? <laughs> What was I going to say? Oh, it, it's interesting that a guy could be an extremely popular, right, reelected, very successful governor of a giant, diverse, uh, purplish state. But then at the federal level, he doesn't have the I'm an inspiring leader thing. And if you lack yeah. that in the modern world, you're done. We've seen it over and over again. Being a really popular governor of a giant state does not necessarily translate into you got the chops to run for president. And we've seen it over and over again, both sides. It's interesting. You would think if you can be two-term governor of Texas, for instance, clearly you've got what it takes to be on the national stage. But that ain't true. Nope. Anyway, while we're talking about Gavin Newsom, we thought we'd bring up this amazeballs story. Um Because Gavin Newsom was the mayor of San Francisco, and uh, he's now the governor of the state that has allowed that city and others to just fall into just. We played that clip third the other world hellholism. We played that clip the other day of that British journalist talking about I've been all over the world. I've been to this African country. I've been to that, you know, South American city or whatever where they've got all these different problems. I've never seen anything like what I've seen on the streets of San Francisco, which is a heck of an indictment. So was this headline: San Francisco crime and drugs hurt the Giants' Shohei Otani pursuit, according to Buster Posey, former catcher, future Hall of Famer of the San Francisco Giants. He spoke to Buster Posey, spoke to The Athletic this week and stated directly that crime and drugs in San Francisco, or at least the perception that both are pervasive, and they are, are affecting the team in pursuit of blue chip free agents in general, even Otani specifically. Something I think is noteworthy, something that unfortunately keeps popping up from players because Buster's involved in the pursuing these people. Yeah, he's something, a part of the ownership group. Yeah, something that keeps popping up from players and even the players' wives not surprising, is there's a bit of an uneasiness with the city itself as far as the state of the city with crime and drugs. Yeah, these players' wives are coming and saying, we are not going to live here and raise our kids here. That's my words, not Buster. But back to Buster Posey's words. Whether that's all completely or fair or not, perception is reality. He's got to say that. It's a frustrating cycle, I think, and not just with baseball. Baseball is secondary to life and the important things in life. But as far as a free agent pursuit goes, I've seen that it does affect things. Posey was involved in the Otani recruitment, said that the Japanese phenom did not raise these issues directly, but among members of his camp, there was reservation about the state of the city. Right now, I, you know, I want to rewind real quickly because uh, Buster is a very diplomatic fellow and he understands he's part of the ownership group of a major league baseball team in a very liberal part of America, though decreasingly so as they see the inevitable results of progressive policies. But that stuff about, you know, baseball is secondary to real life. 
What he tried to say there very, very subtly is, yeah, uh, we're having problems getting free agents, but the crumbling of this beautiful metropolis is a lot bigger deal than that. I'm about to get to the home run swing on this because this is really quite amazing. This might be what gets the city's attention, by the way. You don't think? You made your skeptical look. No, I was just going to say, the, the fact that Shohei said, no, that's too much of a crap hole of a city. Is that <sighs> fecal matter? I'm going to go with Los Angeles. I mean, that's a little hurtful, Northern California. <laughs> so last year, the Giants president of baseball operations said, I don't know if we would say San Francisco is an idiosyncratic market, but I do think maybe it's more that way than it was 20 years ago. I like calling poop and drug zombies everywhere and all the stores closed downtown because they got robbed so many times. An idiosyncratic market. <laughs> But here we go. I, I'll give you, you'll get to your home run swing. I'll, swing. I'll give you idiosyncratic. And I've told this story before. The last Giants game I went to with my wife and daughter, as I recall, we were walking back to, to our car. It's like a block or two from the stadium. There are people everywhere. And there is a pantless man dry humping the pavement, naked, bare assed, and a cop right across the street ignoring him. That's idiosyncratic. He was. <laughs> Simulating coitus with the sidewalk, bare-assed in front of families and children, and that's just what happens in San Francisco. Hey there, sidewalk. You're looking kind of hot today. You want some of this? Mm? Yeah, and so you're a 28-year-old woman married to a stud Major League Baseball player, and you're going around to the big markets looking to sign the big contract, and you stay downtown like you would in any, any giant city where the best mm -hmm. shopping is and everything like that, and you walk out of your hotel and there's an armed guard in front of Saks who's going to let you in, and all the other stores are closed, and there's drug zombies everywhere. What's that on my shoe? Is that poop? Oh, my God, it's human poop. <sighs> Fecal matter. Anyway, back to the... Uh, Giants president saying this. I think it's a little bit of a polarizing place among players in terms of the desire to play there. This is a sort of totally independent of the competitive situation. Yeah, I'd say. But geography, politics, whatever. When we're doing our research on free agents and we find that players aren't really that happy even coming into town for a three-game series, they're probably not going to be that excited to play here for a long time. Oh. Players don't even want to come to San Francisco for a three-game series during the season. They look at the calendar and think, oh, crap, we're in San Francisco next week. And, oh, I know. You know. Can we go back to Miami, Chicago, New York, Houston, all these different towns where we all land and we go to the hotel and we go out to the bars and restaurants and have a big old time? Oh, we're in San Francisco this weekend. Gross. And what a contrast with only... 10, 15 years ago. It's gone to hell. And that's something. Rich baseball players don't want to come to town for a three-game series. Oh, that is amazing. That is an indictment. Idiosyncratic, my ass. Wow. <laughs> okay, more on the way. Stay here. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You want to call it wokeism, identitarianism, neo-Marxism, the whole uh, disease on college campuses. Great explainer of that. One of the best I've ever come across uh, to kick off Hour 3 of the show. Hope you can hang around for a little while. Uh, speaking of the modern world, I found this so interesting. Um, it's uh, about AI and how uh, publishers, news publishers, magazines, content creators think it's going to destroy their businesses. And I saw this headline, and I didn't know, you know what to think of it or how it would work. So I, maybe you'll find it as interesting as I do, as I did, rather. <clears throat> so um, they're talking about the Atlantic.com, um, which is often just annoyingly lefty, but often has some really good stuff in it, too. Uh, but shortly after the launch of ChatGPT, according to the journal, the Atlantic drew up a list of the greatest threats from generative artificial uh, intelligence. They mentioned that the Atlantic's been around for 166 years, by the way. Isn't that amazing? Anyway, uh, at the top of their threat list, Google's embrace of the technology, because 40% of the magazine's web traffic comes from Google searches, 
which turn up links that users click on to get to information that the Atlantic has published. Interesting. Yeah. A task force at the Atlantic modeled what could happen if Google integrated AI into the search, and it found that 75% of the time, the AI-powered search would likely provide a full answer to the user's query, and the Atlantic Ah. site would miss out on the traffic it otherwise would have gotten. Ah, well, that's a minor change that I'm not even sure I would have noticed, but I could see, yeah, because that's what I do. I Google some story, and then there's a link to a New York Times piece about it or Atlantic piece about it or something. But if it's mm-hmm. if my whole answer is right there in the paragraph, I don't need to go anywhere. Right, and I'm uh, the, the last thing I am as an expert in this, but there's also the issue that uh, because the Google AI or whatever has mined like everything available some of the information that i get from google might well have come directly from the atlantic from a a piece they published and so that's become really controversial wait a minute you're mining my website to put me out of business well the the internet destroyed local newspapers if it destroys like longer piece journalism also soon that's not good yeah, it, it may not destroy it, but it'll certainly weaken it, which will destroy those who aren't particularly robust. Well, the economic uh, they, model, you got to come up with a new economic model. And that's what the new, what newspapers couldn't do, and that's why they died. We're out of economic models, they reply. Yeah. Google's integration of AI is crystallizing for media outlets the perils of relying on big tech companies to get their content in front of readers and viewers. Already, publishers are reeling from a major decline in traffic sourced from social media sites uh, as both Meta and X have pulled away from distributing news. God, what is the next 10 years going to look like? I wish we had time. I came across another story of how much money the tech giants spend on uh, bribing slash supporting the very politicians who regulate them. It is incestuous. So we do four hours. If you miss a segment, subscribe to our podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Let me state as clearly as I can. My father was not financially involved in my business, not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not in my investments at home nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. What about Did the you artwork? see uh, Hunter today, right? He went to the wrong place. He went to the Senate instead of the House. Everyone's saying, where's Hunter? See, it always gets, where's Hunter? What a, what a two-tier system of justice we have. God, he's good at that. Trump? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, he can say more or suggest more in fewer words. Uh, so, Hunter, we th- that happened yesterday while we were on there. We played that a couple times. I didn't pick up on that first part. So he changed the wording. The wording has changed over the last couple of years, as we all know. I never had any conversations with my son about business. Then it became I never had fine. I never benefited financially. And now his son is saying. Then it was I've never been in business with my son. And now it's my father was not financially involved in my business. Right. So what does that mean? So so he would show up to these various meetings, either in person at a fancy restaurant in D.C. or uh, magically happen to call uh, his son uh, and catch him while he's uh, meeting with uh, very powerful people from a company who are then going to cut him checks. And because they didn't directly send you money, you call that not financially involved, even though the only reason they're meeting with Hunter there at the restaurant is because he knows his dad and they hope they're going to get something from his dad. And then the money goes into a big family pool and they all live large off of that big chunk of money. And the big guy gets his 10% indirectly through the shell companies or as Hunter pointed out at one point, at least you don't have to give half of what you make to dad. I'm sure he just, that was the right wing talking point that Hunter put in a private email. Anyway, uh, if you still have the, uh, the feeling that CNN is a lefty pile of crap, it's less crappy than it was <laughs> under the new management. I don't um, like the term you you're, you use it a lot. Pile of what? Crap. I just I just it's illustrative. It's a little it's too earthy for me. <laughs> wow, wow! All of a sudden, you've got silken sleeves and you've got a doily under your coffee. Well, who are you, anyway? <laughs> I tell you what, it was when you, you went from Leonard Skinner t-shirts to uh, 
to that damn suit of his. Although yep. you look sharp as hell. Uh, anyway, uh, I was uh, shocked to hear that uh, Ian Sams, who's from the White House Counsel's Office, was making the rounds, uh, d- trying to make the uh, the point that the newly, newly, newly moved goalposts had not been tr- penetrated by the field goal of truth. Um, and so uh, uh, Phil Mattingly on CNN was, uh, was uh, really going after him. You, I think you'll enjoy this. But that is an evolution of where the president had been during the campaign, where the White House had been at the start of the administration. Not involved financially in the business is very different than never talked about the business, not been involved in the business at all. Was that an intentional point of clarity, do you think? I actually dispute the whole premise of that question. Why? We've been extremely clear over and over again for years, and nothing has changed. The president was not in business with his son, period. They're trying to make up all sorts of allegations Ian, and make with, up lies. With respect, I'm not citing Jim Jordan here. I was in un- some of the White yes, House press sure. briefings where it was said explicitly the president did not talk to his son about business dealing. That, that is very clearly not the case, and I think the statement from the White House has changed uh, and I think been a little bit more precise over the course of the last several months. It's what the president said on the campaign trail as well. But it is a fact that the president said one thing that ended up being not true. Again, I dispute that that's, that that's true. I, that is not true. The truth is that he wasn't in business with his son. That is, uh, by definition, gaslighting, a word I never use. Um, that is what you pay a lawyer to do. If you say you never use the word gaslighting and you just use the word, you are gaslighting me. That's a good point. (laughs) I virtually never use that term. I have never been financially involved in the term gaslighting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, good for the CNN host to say that's a change. And it's one of the few times you'll hear a journalist actually go against Democrat talking points. Although I don't know Phil Mattingly's work that well. Um, they don't like their intelligence insulted in front of them. And he was saying, dude, I've heard it myself. Don't you tell me this has been your talking point all along. I was there. Well, and well, tell me if this is true or false. A number of very... Highly paid, well-respected lawyers, more than one, poured over every word of that statement that Hunter Biden made yesterday and Mm -hmm. argued back and forth about this word or that word for days before he came out and said that. Yeah, these are attorneys who've argued before the Supreme Court. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not a chance that that's not true. That it was just, oh no, when I said, uh, if I, you know, I meant, uh, yeah, no, the word wasn't talking off the top of his head. He was written, he was reading a written statement poured over word by word by lawyers that chose their words very, very carefully to stay out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead and enjoy 66 together. Why wouldn't me? It's the Christmas season. Let's loosen up around here. I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business. The answer remains the same. The president ha- was never in business with his son. Hunter may have put his father uh, on the, the phone with any number of different people, and they never once spoke about any business dealings. It was all casual conversation, niceties, the weather. I'm not going to comment that I did not, and it was just a bunch of lies. You didn't interact with any of associates? I did not. There's lies. My father was not financially involved in my business. 
not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not in my investments at home nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. Be careful standing next to those goalposts because they're moving constantly. You're going to get well, run over. It's a long line. You've moved the goalpost to the 50-yard line now. It's a chip shot for a field goal. Um, you've moved the goalpost a long way when you've gone from, I've never had any conversations about my son's business to I did not financially benefit from my son's business. I mean, that's a long way from there. Or I was not financially in, not involved financially in his business. That could be parsed and sliced as well. Yeah, you're right. That that might that's even further from I did not benefit from finance. I may have benefited, but I wasn't involved. Right. That might be a loyally term. Right. By tomorrow, it's going to be. Uh, I was never involved financially in U.S. dollars in my son's businesses. <laughs> Between April and May of 2020. <laughs> I never bought a Mustang with my money from my son. I bought right. a Lamborghini. And a Corvette, yes. Oh, speaking of high-end things, I, I, don't, I, I don't like snobbery. There are some things that I like good stuff more than cheap stuff. I mean, like wine. I drink pretty good wine. But I will admit to being a, a steak snob. I won't eat bad steak. I like really high-quality steaks. And uh, word from our friends at Omaha Steaks, when uh, we get it for ourselves or I give it to friends and family members, I know it's going to be great quality. You're going to dig into, like, the butcher's cut filet mignon, and you're going to say, oh, my God, this is a wonderful steak. The quality's that good, seriously. I know I keep mentioning them, the burgers, but I don't know what they do. The well, it's Angus, but it's the best burgers I've ever had. Anyway, you should go to OmahaSteaks.com and save 50% off site-wide. This is such an easy way to check certain people off your Christmas list. Done, easy, going to their house, taken care of, and they're going to be super happy. Plus, when you use the promo code Armstrong at checkout, you get an additional $30 off your order. Did you say 50% off site-wide? I know, that's incredible. Holy cats, yeah, the dogs, too, the Jumbo Franks. Get those apple tartlets. So many possibilities, even quick meals. Uh, visit OmahaSteaks.com. Take advantage of that 50% off site-wide. Site -wide. Plus, use the promo code Armstrong at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. Again, Omaha Steaks, it's a great, great gift. Hey, I forgot to look at the list. Do we have the Peter Ducey asking KJP about the coordination? Do we have that clip yet? Because I just saw that this morning on Fox and Friends. I thought that was pretty darn interesting. Do we have that or not? We've, we've got him asking uh, whether there was any attempt to talk Hunter out of violating the subpoena. Um, that, that, well, yeah, I think that's what it was. Uh, whether or not there was any discussion between the president and Hunter about any of this, oh. about that, you know, going to the Capitol steps yesterday and talking about it. This is the way this went down yesterday in the briefing room. He said that President Biden was familiar with what his son was going to say on Capitol Hill. If I called my dad and said, I am about to violate a congressional subpoena, he'd probably say, son, you shouldn't do that. Was there any attempt by President Biden to talk Hunter out of it today? You're going to call your dad Steve? Call him dad, usually. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, I don't have anything else to add. The president was familiar with what um, Hunter was going to say today. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, look, 
he's proud of his son. He and the First Lady are proud of his son, how he's rebuilding his life back. He's going to focus on what is needed on the American people. So there was coordination between the White House, the president, and a U.S. citizen who happens to be his son about a tax evasion case and what to say. Yeah. And his public statement about the family influence peddling uh, allegations. Should the president be involved in any court cases like that? Talking to one of the defendants? His own Justice Department is trying to put this guy, Hunter Biden, in jail. Should the president be talking to that person about their statements? Well, yeah, clearly your point is a good one uh, and well made. You know, it's funny is I, I just keep thinking there is nothing that needs to be said or known beyond the slow walking of the charges, the intentional allowing the statute of limitations to expire on several charges, the testimony of the whistleblowers and that unholy, scandalous, felonious, phony plea deal. That's a mountain of evidence that the Justice Department was interfering in the investigation into a known gun-toting, drug-law-violating tax cheat. Well, here's here's a question and answer I hear different from different lawyers. It's going to be the first question I have for Andrew McCarthy when we have him on, former prosecutor, uh, last hour today. They're claiming that the only reason this is happening is because his last name is Biden. Is that accurate or not? Would would anybody else get charged the same way if they were, you know, Joe Smith? Well, Hunter Biden I, says the only reason they're coming after me like this is because my last name is Biden. That's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. The only reason he's not in prison right now. For all of those charges, including ones that were intentionally allowed to expire, is because his last name's Biden. He, like the attorney jackass we, we cited earlier, are saying the opposite of what is true. To save his own bacon, I'd probably do the same thing, but he's, he's lying. It's ridiculous. Well, that's what the whistleblowers, the IRS whistleblowers said. One of them said specifically, if it was anybody else, they'd be in jail already. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely true. And the idea that um, and and this is what spin is the idea that what we need is a, a, a recording of somebody saying, hey, go easy on the president's son. Um, as if I mean, anybody who's an adult who has a little life experience has been through a situation where um, somebody says something walking down the hall. Uh, why don't you head up the telling the CEO of our company he's completely wrong committee. Right. And you get the word, oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. And well, it goes I think, nowhere. I think unless there's a canceled check from President Xi to Vice President Biden, and in the memo it says bribe, I think short of that, <laughs> some people are not going to be uh, moved by this. No, the alphabet networks will still say, the Republicans, without proof, have uh, offered the articles of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> What's your thoughts? Haven't looked at the text line yet today. I'll take a look at it right now. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Hunter, you're a loser. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Maybe we'll get back into impeachment later. number of textures who disagree with me. I, I think the impeachment road is a bad road to go down. I don't think there's a point but 
Others disagree. We could talk about that later. Yeah, I'll join with the uh, textures and stand up for justice and against Jack. Uh, <laughs> also, next hour, a fabulous explainer. As Sung Tzu, the great Chinese general, taught us, you've got to understand your opponent and not underestimate him. A great explainer of what we're fighting against specifically on College Camp I. So stay tuned for that. Two things uh, for f- from Katie Green. First of all, I understand there's some breaking news that there we is. need to know about. There is a new plateau for a beloved talk show. An obscure industry website has issued their list of most influential national talk shows. Coming in at number 11, the Armstrong and Getty Show. And guys, we have some sound. And this guy sounds pretty excited. Michael, will you play clip 320, please? This is the proudest moment of my life. (laughs) Be part of this show is something very special. First there was Jesus, then there was Costco. And now there's Armstrong and Getty. Wow. <laughs> wow. And one last note, Doug Steffen is not one of the most influential shows in America. Oh, wow, for long-time listeners, so, yeah. So we're, if we're the 11th most influential show, who's ahead of us? Who's 10? We got we to gotta, we gotta have a bullseye in their back. Who's 10? Thank you, America, All for right. making us number 11. <laughs> number 10 uh, is Megyn yeah. Kelly. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, she's pretty influential, so that's that's good company. I was about to say, don't tell us, because if it's like some, <laughs> it'll be too humiliating. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, don't, I feel like we're playing chicken here. I'm not sure yeah, I'm enjoying this. I think that's, this. that's good enough. That's good enough. So uh, we'll keep our eye on number 10, and we'll try to climb that mountain. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, second thing is, how entertaining is this is... Uh, Clip number 11, guy breaks down dogs by their political party. Because it's, it's, it sounds like a great premise. Wait, so it sounded like you said a guy who's going to break down dogs by their political party. That is correct, sir. Yes, Katie, is it good? I will say I had a chuckle and it's cute. Okay, that's good enough. All right, that's good enough. What the heck? We're, go we're ahead. really only Michael. trying to kill four hours, so go ahead. Here are the political parties of your favorite dog. A pug is a Democrat that voted for Biden, not because he wanted to, but because he had to. Australian shepherds are libertarians that want to be outside, left alone, and loved on their own terms. Boston Terrier, anarchist. A chow chow is obviously a communist. The GSP is a card-carrying member of the NRA. A golden doodle is a moderate that leans right. However, a golden retriever is fiscally conservative, but socially... A Democrat. The Basset Hound abstains from voting because he thinks the system is broken. Some would call him a good boy. The Yorkie is a Green Party member and also an MSNBC news anchor. <laughs> wow, I, I thought that was hilarious. That's pretty good. It's so random, but yeah. <laughs> the Basset Hound does not vote because he thinks the system is broken. <laughs> Yeah, I, I find myself wanting to hear that again. Let's run it again later. Oh, oh that <laughs> is funny. That is really good. Well done. And and it sounds like there's more to it, too. Maybe we'll th- seek that out and, and, and post a link. Here's my concern about impeachment in a nutshell. Unless you're going to impeach the guy and boot him out for a giant chunk of the country, and those are the voters that are going to swing the election one way or another, all they're going to see is they looked into that and he's not guilty. Yeah, I, I can't say you're wrong. You might be right. Um, Whereas if you don't have impeachment, you get to run that he's guilty of something clear up to Election Day. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I'm just talking about it politically. 
Yeah, I'm kind of wargaming it in my head right now. Uh, also, also, strategically, it, do you it wanna... depends on the skills of your, your your messaging, I think. And if we are talking about the Republican Party, <laughs> not very skilled is, is my assistant. Also, strategically, do you want to run Joe Biden out of office? Because whoever replaces him is going to be a better candidate. Practically anybody living would be. Yeah, I just I, the part of this feels like a contingency plan to me in case the uh, cadaver does run um, that they've got this uh, this, uh, you know, pot on the fire. Gotcha. Are you going to take another swing at the uh, university system? I am. And my blows will land. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.